Yowza, 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 indeed. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Matt Kennedy, one half of the Five Films From podcast here. Wanted to take a second today before Todd and I get started on the episode to say thanks for listening. And to ask that if you've been enjoying the show, make sure you like, subscribe, and maybe even leave a five-star review on the podcast platform of your choice. Doing that's going to really help us to connect with more movie-loving listeners just like you. Also, we wanted to give y'all an update on some of the stuff we're working away on for Season 2. Got a lot of good episodes lined up real soon. For example, uh, Todd's currently editing our two-part season premiere on five films from... It's actually going to be ten films from the two-part, or we're going to be doing Brian De Palma. We'll also be gonna getting into some more idiosyncratic stuff with guys like Stuart Rosenberg and Larry Cohen, as well as you know real Hollywood legends like Robert Altman and fan favorites like John Landis and Tony Scott. Again, be sure to subscribe so you can be among the first to hear all of our newest five films from content as soon as it drops. Totally. Lastly, if you're still listening, <laughs> be sure to be on the lookout for our upcoming Patreon feed. We'll be offering all kinds of bonus episodes, things like double features, commentary tracks, etc. 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 And special things like five films from directors who have only made one film and five films from the 70s disaster movie genre. Absolutely. So yeah, a lot of things lined up, good things on the horizon for FFF. And yeah, that's all I got for you. Enjoy the show. With Mac Kennedy and Todd Edmondson. We're back talking about Slaughterhouse Five. It was the first movie George made after The Sting. Amazing. Not, I'm sorry, after Butch Cassidy. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> but the first, yeah, it was his immediate follow up, which, you know, it, it was, because I feel like it's a movie that would have required a, to be coming off of a big hit like that, a big mainstream kind of star vehicle. Yeah. And it's sandwiched where... right in between two mainstream star vehicles. It, it's kind of, I think it must have been something George was trying to make, like, had, a, had his real eye on. Yeah, and they gave him the shot because mm. he was clearly. Uh, a winner. Yeah, bankable. And, you know, it's a very strange movie based on Kurt Vonnegut's novel, of course. Yeah, which um, is a strange book. I which mean, is a Kurt strange was book. a strange guy. Yeah, uh, I, I like Vonnegut a lot. I haven't read his books in a long time. I haven't in, either. In I was high school, the same I went thing. through a phase where I read a lot of his books, yeah. including this one, of course. Uh, but it's, to me, it's it's almost like aggressively uncinematic of a story. Like, there's no, <laughs> it's, it's, even watching it, I like the movie. I think it's about as good of an adaptation of Slaughterhouse Five as you can get. I can't imagine any better. Yeah, honestly. but much like Catch Twenty Two's adaptation, I don't really think it stands as something you could watch outside of being a fan of the book. Maybe not because yeah. of the same problem. And we like Mike Nichols' Catch Twenty Two. We talk about it a lot. But going wiping your mind of being a fan of the book, 
it's pretty incoherent the way it cuts back and forth. And yeah, this movie yeah. is more incoherent than that movie. Yeah, yeah, I this think. movie is really a it's time traveling. Uh, He's unstuck in time. Billy Pilgrim, exactly. played by Michael Sachs, who it's, uh, uh, newcomer of the year or whatever I saw. Yeah, yeah bizarre. Was, uh, his other great film that year was Steven Spielberg's The Sugarland Express with Goldie Hawn. There you he go. He was a cop in that. Then he was in a whole lot of not a lot aside from yeah. Oh, uh, um, um... Gabriel and Split yeah. Make it perfect. Make it perfect. Make it perfect. And he's playing basically the same age in that, which came, what, ten years later? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's really strange. weird. He uh, retired from acting, became a tech executive. I'm sure he's doing very well. Michael Sachs. Yeah, yeah. And, he was a good leading man in this movie yeah. because he played multiple ages. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and you know, he pulled it off. But, he, yeah, he was just not a leading man, I guess. Yeah, he... he really uh, worked that way. Billy Pilgrim is a character that doesn't have a ton of personality. He's just kind of just a things happen to him sort of guy. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's, that's true. I mean, not that that's easy to play. I'm sure it's tough to play in its own way. But, uh, you know, it's, you don't get to see a lot of dimension to Michael Sachs' acting in this movie. Sugarland Express, you do. You do quite mm. a lot in Sugarland Express. Yeah. Yeah, in Slaughterhouse-Five, he's staring off into space a lot because, no, yeah, yeah he, he's, he's in Dresden during the bomb. He's, you know, in World War II. He's, uh, he's married with kids in suburbia. And, um, you know, he lives on another planet with Valerie Perrine, yeah. who's naked through most of the a movie. Lot, yeah. Who are you? My name's Pilgrim. What's this scene? Where are we? We're on a distant planet. Are you mating now? What? Have you mated? Who are you? I'm a Tralfamadorian, Miss Wildhack. A what? You're on the planet Tralfamador, Miss Wildhack. 423 billion miles from Earth. Oh, Jesus. She doesn't get a lot of screen time, especially she's mostly in it near the end. Um, but yeah, right. she is naked like the whole time. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a Playboy playmate in one of the suburban scenes, just in a magazine. Yeah. And uh, he sees her at a, in a drive-in movie. Uh, Montana Wildhat. Yeah. Is her name. Yeah, and she had been kidnapped by aliens, and she's just living there, uh, eventually along with Billy. And the yeah. aliens kind of sort of the aliens are the ones who who have unstuck him in time you're imagining right or is, is that explained i guess it explains it could explain it but so if totally clear let's say i'm billy pilgrim am i going through my life linearly i make it through the war and i have my life da 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 and then i'm in with the aliens and then i'm unstuck in time and everything starts repeating or did he become unstuck in time during the war and all the shit that's happening later is future stuff that he doesn't know about yet that's a great question. It's, I was not sure about it's very, it. It's very circular firing mm -hmm. squad of a story. You know, I... Um, oh, what were you going to say? Well, no, I was just going to say that's 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 the that's the big question is where's the beginning? Mm -hmm. and where's the end? There's no real... I mean, the movie has a happy ending. Ostensibly, that's the end of... What is that the end of? Well, it's it's a happy moment. It's not really right, a happy it's not really. It's, it's no, the end of the movie, but the, is it, it's not the end of the story, the, clearly. What the Tralfamadorians, the aliens, kind of tell Billy is that... Time is all things at all moments, right? It's, it doesn't move in a linear way. So this is happening, but it's always happening. It's yeah, not yeah. happening now. It's, it's always <clears throat> happened and it always will happen. So this is a happy moment, but there's no such thing as an ending or a beginning, according to these guys. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, it's just, Which, just a Mobius strip of of, uh, of a life. And yeah, I, he doesn't seem to even be able to control when his 
His mind is taking him oh, yeah, there it's, beyond it's memories. Yeah, 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 completely. And that's DDL on great editing in this movie. A lot of great like cuts on like motion, right? So Billy will be in one place, and and as he's like turning his head to look, he's in a different place. So yeah, stuff where like somebody looks down, and then somebody else looking down. It's this great. I don't know what you would even call it, but it's a certain kind of editing, cutting while there's motion going on, while the actors are moving. Yeah, yeah, cutting in motion. Uh, I, yeah, guess it, be good. I don't know what they call it either. But, but yeah. it's always, especially in something like this, it's very propulsive. It makes the action... You know, and there does seem to be triggers to his memories, too, where there will be certain sounds or certain mm-hmm. um, certain moments that, that, again, when you edit them, they seem like they just naturally go together. Yeah, it's, that's, like that's, he's that's, living... Uh, he, he, there's there's environmental things that happen that remind him of of, uh, of of either the war or being at home, and you know he was in World War II and he was a chaplain's assistant. He gets mm-hmm. captured by the Germans, ends up in a in a POW camp with singing British soldiers. Yeah, that was a really real, weird scene. Keep calm and carry yeah. on. Real British. Uh, yeah, there's a building, and there's two on either side of the building. There's this barbed wire fence, and there's guys on one side of the fence and guys on the other side of the fence. And right in front of the building, there's this big open space, and all these British soldiers come out and start singing. Mm-hmm. And they're we're in charge, and by gosh, we're going to get through this. And the, and the idea of like good. you know. Uh, uh, they say they put on shows, Gilbert and Sullivan. Like, just, we're not going to admit anything is wrong. That yeah, kind yeah. of weird. We're gonna weirdness. we're gonna get through this. Yeah, keep and, calm uh, and carry on. I guess it's the old British. Uh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. There you go. The day that I was captured, I made a promise to myself. I vowed that each day I would brush my teeth, shave my beard, wash my hands and face before each meal, and evacuate my bowels with as much regularity as circumstances would permit. And do you know why? Because the war consists of continual petty humiliations. And I, for one, was going to treat myself with a good deal of self-respect and survive. Do you think you can do it? Oh, the British officer. Did you recognize who he was? He's Professor Falcon from War Games. Oh, John Wood. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, he is. That's I, the only thing I, other thing I remember. Good. I'm him. looking at his name right now, but yeah, John Wood. Good call. Because I was thinking, who is that guy? Who is that guy? Who is that guy? The Who professor from War Games. That's a good call. I haven't seen that movie in such a long time. I just saw. I made my kids watch it uh, um, recently, to, you know, because it's just like it's got all the right elements in it. Anyway, Danny Coleman for one. Yeah, <laughs> Edgar Derby uh, was a character name. Um, yeah, who becomes like the de facto commander of the of the American soldiers. When did you enlist? It wasn't quite like that. See, I was drafted. Oh? It's not that I didn't want to go. I just wanted to finish school first. Where were we in school? First year, the Ilium School of Optometry. An optometrist, huh? That's a very good field. Yes, it is, because you're doing things for people, and there'll always be a need for optometrists. Well, what you just said, son, is a very good philosophical way of life. What? I mean about filling a need and helping people. Well, that's self-determination and free enterprise backing itself up all the way. That's why we're in Europe, stopping Hitler. My name's Edgar Derby, son. What's yours? Billy Pilgrim. Billy, it's nice to have you aboard. 
He is a commercial actor too. Looks I don't like even remember his name. Ajax Man was his commercial. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm he's here. the Madge, the male Madge. The male Madge, of, uh, Eugene Roche. Yeah, there you, name, yeah. there you go. So there you go. Boy, if you don't care about your job, you can't be very happy. You know what? I like doing dishes. That's why I need a great detergent like this new Ajax for washing dishes. Uh, um, also, Robert's Blossom. Do you know who Robert's Blossom is? No. He was the guy, this wild Bob, who was oh. telling, uh, telling Billy, like, I've got, boy, you're a good soldier. You come through this all right, you'll see. And when you get to Cody, Wyoming, just ask for wild Bob. We'll have one hell of a reunion. God bless you, boys. Yeah, yeah, when they're in line to get on mm -hmm. the prisoner train. He, I mean, he's a prolific actor. I know him from Christine. He's the guy who sells oh, Arnie the car man. and always talks about the shitter. Goddamn rolling went through hell and back with Christine. Your brother loves this car so much. Why is he selling it? Because he's stone cold dead, that's why. Died six weeks ago. It's, Christine is cool. I recommend it times a thousand, the book and the movie. <laughs> he was great in this, too. Yeah, he was. His wild Bob, scene, when you get to yeah. Montana, you just tell him, you know, Wild Bob. Oh, God. And then this other guy from the unit, the guy who ends up killing him, I guess. Is Ron Liebman. Ron Liebman as Paul Lazaro. Yeah, yeah. he's a pr very prolific actor. He's been in a ton yeah, of stuff. Yeah, real wiseacre, just shooting his mouth off everything all the time. Uh, yeah, he, he's really good. Who the fuck are you? Where the fuck are you going? The fuck's your outfit? I don't know. You don't know? How come you don't know? <laughs> just moved up. Let me see your dog tag. Let's see it. Where are they? I can't find him. He's a crowd. You don't look like I'm him. not. I'm an American. Prove it. Prove it. Who plays third for the Tigers? The Tigers? The Detroit Tigers. Who is it? I don't know. The fuck <laughs> asked him came into my head. And through the arc of the story, he's still around. He's still, yeah, he keeps he wants showing to, up. He wants revenge for Billy allegedly killing... Or Billy, somebody. like, ran into him or something. It's something really he stepped stupid on his and foot. trivial. Can you hear me, Pilgrim? Huh? Can you hear me, Pilgrim? When do you want it, huh? When do you want it, Pilgrim? You'll never know when it's gonna happen. Maybe years, maybe right, not. Son. This pork shop killed a friend of mine. I didn't, I just wanted to sit. Yeah? Well, he's gonna be dead. Out. You wanna make the list pop? Outside, Lazarino. Lazaro, L-A-Z. Out! Similar thing in MASH where where uh, Frank Burns, was, you were saying he blamed Bud Court. Oh, yeah. He wouldn't. He uh, would have died. He wouldn't have died. Uh, yeah. uh, um, same kind of shit. Same but he thing. carries it through through his whole life. Uh, well, it ends up. Well, Paul Lazaro is, is you know eventually shoots him. If you go back and forth in time, do you go into the future too? Mm -hmm. Frequently. Well, I mean, how far do you go? Do you actually go to all the way to my death? I've seen it many times. You know what I had a thought? Kind of a... So, there's a lot of flashbacks. There's a lot of, like, when you're unstuck... Is is being unstuck in time a metaphor for PTSD? Could be. Is that I, that really struck me this time around. I don't know if I That's thought about That's a really, it really good Because it's question. all these weird flashbacks to the war, and it's like he's unable to move on from his life, and he ends up having these, I guess, delusions of aliens and stuff. 
Uh, that's it came into my mind. I don't know. Yeah, Vonnegut certainly experienced. Yeah, he was war there horror. in the actual bombing of Dresden. Yeah, right? in real yeah. life. Yeah, he was yeah. there. And it looks like they survived because they were underground. Yeah, and they wouldn't because, have called it PTSD at the time. No, it, they didn't know. It's it certainly was. something people would have been experiencing. Shell shock. Yeah, yeah, whatever the yeah. colloquial term was. The that, stuff that, that Pat slaps guys for. Oh yeah, yeah. Soldiers, I'm sure every soldier experienced the same thing, regardless of the war, the decade, mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, whatever you label it yeah um, i think that's true yeah i was i was gonna say something funny because you know billy ends up being a successful middle class white guy an optometrist yeah an optometrist just a real with, white a, dude. with a heavy wife who every time she she tells him uh she loves him she goes i'm gonna lose weight yeah all she says it over and over yeah i'm gonna lose weight just for you, Billy. I'm gonna lose weight. Oh, I'm really gonna lose weight, Billy. I love you. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's just making pies and cakes and shit all the time. It's really funny. Billy gets he her. He has a sullen teenage son. Yeah, who's like just a total like. And you know who that is? In. That's Perry King. Perry King. Who's Perry, he? Perry King is. Uh, I'm trying to think. He was in an Andy Warhol movie. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff. And I, for the life of me, can't. I, it took me a while to even figure out it was him. He was a blonde. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last time I saw him in something. Looks like this was his first credit. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, he, can, he couldn't have been more than 20. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, 1948. So he's a little bit older than 20. But yeah, yeah, he like, looked like a teenager. I mean, he played a teenager really well. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, he, that was interesting. So, yeah, he's been around. Um, um, still alive today. Had Haven't. Nothing that I'm super familiar with, but yeah, he's been a working actor. He's been around. Cool. Um, the yeah, the arc of the story, like you said, it's just like a ping pong ball in a windstorm, and 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 you're not. There's really there's almost no connective tissue between the war and his married life and his life on another planet. There's very little connective tissue mm-hmm. there, almost, um, in the sense that. After the war, of course, you're not going to show him going to optometrist school. I guess, you know, I don't really remember. There's, a, there's a bridge. In the, I mean, I don't think in the book it ever talks like that either. I don't think um, so either. You know, it's like a, a different. It's about the pivotal points in your in his life. It's sort of, I'm not sure how I'm, try, how I'm really trying to say it, but like in that era, it was almost like if you're a able-bodied war veteran who's white, you know, you'll probably be subsidized pretty well for the next 15 years, right? You and, see those new yeah. ranch houses? Exactly, yeah. exactly right. Well, the government's promised us a new ranch house in the valley. Yeah, he becomes a doctor. He becomes, you know, his wife drives a Cadillac with a Reagan bumper sticker. Yeah, I mean, it's kind <laughs> of just success. You know, I guess that's the American dream, right? Those 15 years after the war were kind of like the only time the American dream ever existed and only for a very small amount of people. Yeah, and yeah. That, and that was only because of extremely high... T- tax rates on the rich you know we also talk about that right but hey what are we gonna do well the weird thing about billy's uh family situation is his his only friend seemed to be his dog i was gonna talk about the dog who's there when he gets kidnapped by aliens i think george Hill likes dogs i think he dogs does show too. up in these movies that's a, a good lot. point yeah. yeah dogs show up in these movies a lot <laughs> uh, the um the the this the scene where he on the plane and he keeps seeing the skiers in the you know his wife and, and everybody's cr- waving to him and he has this premonition that he the plane's gonna the plane crash. crash yeah. the plane's gonna crash. Oh come on, Billy boy! Twenty five minutes, the whole thing cracks up. You? you can't get out of your seat. 
Stop the plane. No Please, stop the plane. Sir. It's going to crash. Back in your seat. I've organized this charter. You I'm responsible. You want to be removed from this But plane. you don't understand. Look, we've got our clearance. We're going to take off now, and everything's going to be all right. Now, just buckle in and leave the driving to us. Lousy, drunk son of a bitch. God, I hate these charter flights. And it does. And he survives somehow. Uh, and, and when she finds out he's in the hospital, she goes berserk in a Cadillac and is driving yeah. the wrong way everywhere. I'm Bizarre. coming, Billy, and just uh, having a dies. nervous. Yeah, yeah, but she dies of carbon monoxide poisoning. And she's driving around. And in I love the, the line. Car. The line her daughter says, "She drives a Cadillac." Yeah, <laughs> like, that shouldn't have happened. How does that happen? Yeah, right. She drives a we, Cadillac. We're rich people. Yeah, this doesn't right. happen to us. This couldn't yeah. happen to us. No. I mean, she drives a Cadillac. Yeah, I know. Per perfect just smugness there, yeah. <laughs> when Billy says, I was there. What's he saying? He said he was there. Says he was where? Dresden. Mm. It's kind of like... He's still he's still there. Well, yeah, but also the guy he's talking to who pretends to know that everything about the. the oh no, I don't try. You know, what I, you know what I mean, he's trying to yeah. whitewash. He's trying the, to like trying the to right wing professor. His, yeah, the right wing professor yeah, exactly. creating history. I'm not interested in what he has to say. Right, yeah. right. I'm not interested in people mm -hmm. who are actually there. Yeah. Why did they keep Dresden a secret for so long? Oh hell, for fear a lot of bleeding hearts would say bombing it. It was a chicken shit thing to do. My book's going to lay it on the line, sweetheart. Nobody's going to weep and wail over Dresden after they read my book. His vision of history is is, is very propagandized. Right, it's, and, it's what the generals tell him, right? right. It's, it's the that's history right. that you get if you watch the History Channel today, yeah. basically. And that's right. And, and, and uh, you know, it's it's guys with big maps and push pins and, uh, and pushing around little tanks and, you know. That whole horseshit where you're, you know, you're yeah, thousands yeah. of miles away from pushing the maps and tanks yeah. is a funny exactly. way of putting it. Yeah, that's what I loved about that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Billy's, um, yeah, Billy's wife dies. His son goes from being a punk to being get, like a real to being in the army. Martinet He's a, shithead. Sooner or later, it's going to be us or the communists. We got to stand up to him somewhere. Yeah, uh, and that's funny because that's the uh, the the guy in the POW camp. Who shows up in that really weird American suit? The American what's, Nazi. What's his con uh, character, character name? Character is Howard W. Campbell, who is the protagonist of another Vonnegut book. Mother Knight. Yeah. Attention, please. They're having a visitor. Uh, Howard Campbell Jr. I've just come back from the Russian front, so I'll make it short. I don't want to take up your time. I know how hungry you are. Food's not much, though, is it? Food's terrific. Almost as neat as your outfit. <laughs> And he, in Mother Night, he came in as a spy. He was a legitimate American. Right. And then he was co-opted through. And, and over then the he couldn't, the he couldn't defend himself because. It, it, what, what lie am I telling? Right? Yeah. yeah it's and, well, things. it's indefensible too, mm -hmm. but you, you don't, you don't blow your cover even when right. your life depends on it, which is crazy. Yeah. He's, um. He's wearing this really gaudy kind of. It looks like a. It looks like something Super Dave Osborne would wear or something. But it's got Nazi insignias on it. It's red, red, white, and blue. And he he, he explains why it's red, white, and blue. The white blood. Yeah, because Ron Liebman's character is giving him a bunch of shit, uh -huh. and heckling him from the audience or whatever. But he's the one who says, uh, "Communism is the enemy. The Nazis are your allies," which is. Hint to cabaret there too, yeah, and uh, that's that's, right. that's the other thing. Communism is not the problem. And, and then once the Nazis get rid of the communists, then we'll control them. Really, who's we? And doesn't that scene happen immediately before? And I could be wrong. Doesn't that scene with Howard Campbell saying that about communists 
happened right before right the before scene the bombing. With Billy and his son, where Billy's oh. son says, "We've got to get the communists." So I it's like, could be, and yeah, like yeah, kind of a mirror of yeah, like yeah. them and, and, and the I think US. you're right. I, I'm not. They, I remember. It we'll that definitely way. check yeah. that. I think yeah. you're right, though, mm-hmm. because that makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And boy, did that not skip a generation. I was just watching uh, the January 6th footage again, and one of the first pe- first persons to rush up the cap the top of the Capitol steps is holding a sign that says the real problem is communism. Yeah, right. Which is it's, you know, it's they, classic. It's classic. It's same old shit, man. Yeah, same yeah. Same old shit, man. I know. And this movie really, it's a really, it's not a war movie, but boy, it really effective at showing just that. I don't know where they shot the whole Dresden stuff above ground after the bombing. Rose, it yeah. was a seriously, that looked like Sergio Leone's Westerns bombed 10 more times. Yeah. It was it, in, in Europe somehow. In yeah, Italy. I'm not it, sure it just, uh, where it I don't is. know where they shot yeah, all that. Uh, really amazingly good. Um, and then, you know, Billy's whole thing with... Um, with um you know where he ends up on Tralfamador, which is sort of the end of the movie because he and Valerie Prine get transported into this geodesic uh bubble. They can't live on the planet because it's the atmosphere is cyanide and um The aliens are trying to get them to like to have sex. Now we would like the night canopy. Why do you wish the night canopy? Because we want it. Will you mate? We hardly know each other. Do you mind if we take time to get better acquainted? You are acting very unnaturally. We would like the night canopy. Oh, very well. Turn the fucking lights off. Maybe we'll mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really, uh, it's it's really an amazing movie. I think, uh, I think it's not like movies don't do flashbacks, but like again, we were saying this. Are we going back? Are we going forward? Where are we? At what point in time? And when you only... read the, the book, is like that too. Yeah, but it's, yeah. It's not jarring in the same way in a book it's just you know they're two different forms of art you know it's going to be jarring yeah yeah and, and i don't know i agree i think it's i think this uh while i quite enjoyed it as just an adaptation of a book i like i don't really think it stands alone as a, a movie in the same way that um you know butch cassidy does for example or, yeah yeah i can i can i can see that point that's it's it's a kind of movie you can watch once and miss a lot of it and forget it quickly right exactly a, i watched it two days ago i'm already you yeah know, if you're in the audience you're kind of going because it's it's um yeah it requires a lot of thought and like you said without the book you're really kind of lost which it's uh, you know george Hill was a fan of the book and and it comes through that he was a fan of the yeah book, kurt right? really yeah. loved the uh yeah. he loved the movie too that's right um kurt vonnegut who i guess you know, didn't normally like the adaptations of his work, right? And there weren't a lot of them. There, Nobody there was, was slapstick, great. slapstick with Jerry Lewis, which is te- you know and supposed Madeline to be terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be really bad. And Breakfast of Champions is is bad. The one with Bruce Willis, that yeah. Alan Rudolph, Robert Altman's buddy, made. Yeah, and Altman had had uh, had optioned it a while before, and they couldn't even figure out what part of the book to focus on because yeah. it was these parallel stories, and they couldn't fit it all in a movie. The one. Uh, the one piece of casting in the movie that is great is Albert Finney as Kilgore Trout. That's about as good as it gets. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, yeah. he's an ideal Kilgore Trout. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he's so great. I love him to death. And then there's a movie of Mother Night with Nick Nolte. Yeah, but and you, that, I saw it once, but don't remember. I saw it once and I don't remember it either. Uh, it's swimming. It's swimming to Cambodia. <laughs> no, I mean I, uh, I just remember him sitting there in Nazi uniform talking. 
Oh, yeah. Not a complete Nazi union. I think that's like the frame device. I think he's like being interviewed and there's flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. Gonna have to confirm. We're gonna have to do that. We're gonna have to look at that. And um, I see Albert Whitlock uh, did a lot of matte paintings for this movie um, because. I imagine because you've just got so much, so many different, like the uh, a bombed out city. Uh, I'm sure, a lot of planet. that Dresden, yeah, um, uh-huh. and absolutely the whole background of that planet uh, behind the geodesic yeah, dome must have that's, been a that's like a, yeah. uh, it's and Albert Whitlock. Uh, I think I told you before in Blazing Saddles or no history of the uh, history of the, uh, it's maybe Blazing Saddles extra features were Mel Gibson or uh, Mel Brooks. Mel Gibson. <laughs> Jesus, I don't think they'd cut, get along. I don't out. think they'd get yeah, along. I don't think so either. Mel Brooks was talking about how great Albert. He made history of the world happen because they couldn't. Yeah, they could shoot all. Oh, of sure. Shoot. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and uh, so he did a whole featurette on Albert Whitlock. It's Will- really cool. Whitlock's a name where it's like, like you know, edited by Dee Dee Allen. It's like, oh, that's one of the painters. You know, that's one of the editors. Like, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. one of those iconic names of somebody who did a lot of stuff. Exactly. Um, Another Universal, uh, yeah, I think this, yeah, Universal movie. I think most of these movies were made. Oh, what, I, what I wrote down that one of the tram, the, the Tralfamadorians, you never see them. You only hear this disembodied voice from one guy. I can't leave of my own free will. Mr. Pilgrim, we have visited 31 inhabited planets in the universe. We have studied reports on a hundred more. And only on Earth is there any talk of free will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, there you go. Uh, but yeah, the war gets worse, piling up. They make the prisoners pile up all the victims of the bombing into these carts, and they're setting them on fire. And then uh, Derby, the uh, commandant, finds a figurine. Billy, look at this. Look at this. Perfect. Isn't that a chip on it? It's exactly like the one we had at home. The one your son Johnny broke? Yeah. How'd you know about that? the letter you wrote home. <laughs> it's a miracle, isn't it? This little dancer survived all this destruction. Wait till I bring it home. And then the Nazi shooting for stealing Crazy stuff. And they scene, told yeah. them you can't take anything. They no throw take the thing anything. It's fucking horrible. It's, it, it really does illustrate a lot of horrors of war. Um, but also the horrors of suburbia, too, mm-hmm. I have to say. Yep, that's I have right. To say you got a uh, you got a mess on your hands. It's uh, almost as if everything is a big fucking mess. <laughs> Music by Glenn Gould, the piano player, famous piano player. I didn't yeah, know he did yeah, film yeah. score. Um, well, yeah. he it's 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 all classical stuff, but yeah, he performed he almost it, all yeah. of it. It reminded me of uh, kind of like the music musical score from Being There, real sort of classical and mm-hmm. sort of yeah. Like, yeah. piano and strings. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I did write that down, Glenn Gould. Yep. Um, Ilium, New York, where it takes place, is a fictional version of Troy, New York. Um, the Iliad of the Trojan War. Ilium, Troy. Uh, anyways. I'm trying to sound smart now, so just stop me. <laughs> so Billy and Valerie have a baby on Trail Famador. And um, that's the end of the movie. I, yeah, that's the thing. I think that's the end of the movie. We, yeah, well, it... it I mean, it literally is, yeah, sure. but what is at the end of the story, it's clearly There not. is no end. There yeah, it's no it end. all happening at the same time. Yeah, it's just this intense loop. But um, it's worth watching. You yeah, know? it is worth especially watching. If you're a fan you're, of the book. Especially a Vonnegut fan, you yeah. definitely should That's, see it. It's worth watching mostly as a, like a Vonnegut uh, You know, and it's not likely anybody's going to attempt to do any Vonnegut books in the future either. Probably not. You know? Probably not. And that's my guess. 
You know, a Sirens of Titan movie would be something. I think uh, our mutual friend Jack Edmondson That's was, right. was working we, we, on that. We, Jack and I have been talking about that as a. I mean, it was Jack's idea, but he and I have like mentioned it over the years a bunch of times. Yeah, I I could see you guys doing that. Um, so let's All take right, a break. Cool. Let's and we'll come to, back uh, to um, to uh, the sting. Mm-hmm. All right. 